0: We have two tales of Robin Hood. Yes, I do want to talk about what happened with the stock market and GameStop, but also people tend to misunderstand the legend of Robin Hood. We will do both on this week's Cory Act Show. some of you just went, wait, are you serious? We're going to talk about Robin Hood, like the one that Kevin Costner played in that movie, and then Russell Crowe played in a different movie, and then there was like a Fox character in a Disney cartoon. That Robin Hood? Yes, I'm talking about that Robin Hood. It's a largely misunderstood story, and we can learn a lot from it if we understand it properly. We'll do that second, because the first thing is the story that everybody was talking about last week. And that is the Robinhood Investing app and what was going on with GameStop Stock. We'll get into the details there in just a moment. First, my name is Corey Truax. Thank you for listening to us on his Radio Talk 89.7 or wherever you find podcasts. It is great to have you with us. You can reach the show at Show at gmail.com, Show at gmail.com, or find me, Corey Truax, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can send me articles, opinions, thoughts. You can tell me why you think I'm wrong on any given thing, and it will be a good time together. One other note: I get to serve as the pastor for teaching at Beechwood Church. Beechwood Church meets in Greenville on Sunday mornings in Greenville. Oh, at that's right, on Sunday mornings in Greenville at ten thirty, we are in a a series on the revelation of Jesus Christ that is just so good. If it were in my nature to be jealous, I would probably be jealous that I don't have the abilities being shown here in explaining the revelation. And ah, uh, it's, it's been so good. So. It's out there, I think, on Anchor. If you search for Beachwood Church, I think you can find those sermons as well. Let's do this. I love this story of GameStop and Robin Hood and Reddit. This, this is my kind of stuff where I, I get to live in a world of making the complex simple for you. Like, I'm about to explain just what happened here over the next several minutes. Some of you reached out to me and said, can you explain this to me? Like, what's happening? I am indeed going to explain it by doing the facts first, and then we'll do analysis. So that's what we're going to do here. And we're going to, I guess, go back and forth. I'm going to give you some facts, stop and analyze. Give you some facts, and then stop and analyze. And then I think by the end, I think we can bring in some biblical worldview on this, which you're not probably going to get from any other source. Here's the story. GameStop is a place you've probably seen. They seem to be... They have locations anywhere you see a Walmart. They've been all over the United States. They sell video games and video consoles. I have thought about them as the blockbuster of games and gaming for a long time because they are, by nature, becoming obsolete. Blockbuster became obsolete because we didn't need DVDs and video cassettes. We could just stay in our house, use the internet, and stream the content. We didn't need a physical object to give the content to us gaming in that world is going the same way. I know this because I have nephews who are teenagers and they they do the gaming thing. You don't actually ever need a CD to put into a device. You can just stream basically everything. And so GameStop was this once quite successful franchise that was heading down. And as, as its share price, its stock price, was reflecting that, some other folks got involved. So let's just... Start there, GameStop as a business had a business model becoming obsolete and their value and revenue was falling as their overhead continued being very high. So let's start let's start with that first fact. Fact two, there are some folks on Wall Street, like hedge funds, people that use money to make money, people that use financial instruments to make money. They're not necessarily always producing anything for anyone else, but they use financial instrumentation to make build their own wealth. They they saw what was happening with GameStop and they got involved in something called shorting the stock. Now, really quickly, let's talk about shorting. There's really a relevant and good function to shorting a stock in the market if done properly. Here is what shorting a stock means. Assume you have a movie ticket. You paid $20 for that movie ticket. I come to you and I say, can I borrow your movie ticket? I'll give it back to you in a month. Right? It's very important here, by the way, that we put a time limit on it because shorting stocks requires a time limit. I want to borrow your movie ticket. I'll give it back to you in a month. And also, for your trouble, because you let me borrow it, I'll give you $5. And you say to me, okay, cool, here you go. I immediately take your movie ticket and I sell it for $20. So, now, I have $20, but I don't have your ticket. And a month from now, you're expecting me to give me your ticket back. To give you you your ticket back, excuse me. You want your ticket, because you want to go to the movie, and you want $5 from me. Now, the reason I did that is because I'm really sure, I've got some good information and intelligence that says, the price of movie tickets is about to fall. So, three weeks later... I see movie tickets are $5. So I take that $20 that I got from earlier, and I go buy a movie ticket. I come back to you and I say, here's your ticket back. You can go to the movies now. Oh, and also I owe you $5. Here's your $5. So what did I get? I got $15. And the person that lent me the, and you, you lent me the ticket, you get your ticket and $5. And that's shorting a stock. Shorting a stock is buying the ticket, buying the stock, immediately selling it, waiting for the price to fall, buying the share back, giving it back to you who you borrowed it from, and then keeping the profit. That is a good thing in the market when done properly. Because it says to the rest of us who are investors, this person has enough confidence and intelligence and information to say, this stock is overvalued. We're all paying too much for shares of this stock. And so as I'm seeing shares borrowed and sold like crazy, it starts driving the price down. I know that I'm probably paying too much, so I need to get out and recalibrate my position on these shares. That's a good part of shorting a stock. But there are some hedge funds out there on GameStop who were borrowing more shares than technically actually existed. They were way over, I think the word is leveraged, over leveraged on GameStop, borrowing a ton and driving the price down, hopefully, as, as they would say, uh, then buying them back. Uh, so they were selling the stock. They wanted to buy them back, give the shares back to whoever they borrowed them from and keep the profit. Next, enter the guys from Reddit. If you don't know Reddit, Reddit is a message board site. A lot of different stuff on there. I don't necessarily recommend getting on there because there's some weird stuff on Reddit. But one section of it is people talking about investing in the stock market. And some smart, smart people there saw that some of the biggest hedge funds, some of the biggest investors that make billions of dollars off of just trades, they were really over leveraged on game stock shares. They had borrowed way too many shares and sold them. And so the Reddit guys decide to go wreck the, the, the investors. They decide together, we're going to start a movement and go buy a bunch of GameStop shares. We're going to buy even the ones, buy the shares that the hedge funds are selling. So if a bunch of people go and buy a bunch of shares of, of a company, what happens to the share price? Well, it goes way up. So then the hedge fund guys, who, I'm, I'm going to use fake numbers now, they borrowed shares... And sold them when the shares were $10. Hoping that the shares would be $5 later so they could sell. They could buy those, buy them back. But now they sold all these shares for $10. And they're seeing the price of shares go up to $200 and $300 and $400. And they're really, in some, in some theory there, their losses are theoretically Endless. If the stock price just keeps going up and up and up. And it's time limited. They borrowed these shares. The people that these hedge fund people borrowed the shares from, they got to give back the shares. And so then they have to go spend way more money than they they sold the shares for in the first place to buy them back because they got to give them back. It does appear that the number of dollars lost by these hedge funds is somewhere over $4 billion. So those are the facts of the case. Oh, one more piece of facts and we'll do some more analysis. You know, I'll stop there for a sec. These Reddit people, it's a a diverse group, and I'm sure the motivations of everybody is different. It does seem that some of the originators wondered if they could make a quick buck by doing this. And there are others that really just seem like their goal is to punish hedge funds. They don't like them. They don't like that they make money off of producing no value for people and they wanted to expose that practice and cost them. They wanted to hurt them because to be clear for the Reddit people, there's not a lot of money to be made in this transaction. The the people who got in at the very, very bottom of it and bought shares and they're super cheap and if they're willing to sell them at the top, then they'll walk away with some dollars. But ultimately, GameStop is a, a company that's losing value. There's no value in this company. Again, they're, they're becoming obsolete. So there's not a lot of greed in this for the Reddit people. I think they were just, for the most part, trying to make a point. Now, in all of this, these activists getting involved in the market, it spooked the markets. We had some bad days on the Dow Jones, the S&P. And so the apps that make stock trading available to normal people got involved for example me a couple years ago i took basically all my money out of savings because my savings wasn't getting any interest we have no interest rates right now so there's no incentive to save and i put all the savings i had almost all into the market and my position in the market is long term i don't i don't sell constantly i just keep putting money in every time i get every month i just keep putting more money in the market I only invest in six giant corporations: Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, Nvidia, Apple, and uh, Walmart. And I'm just going to keep putting money in those six companies because I believe in those six companies. And decades from now, I suspect they're still going to be quite valuable. And I'll have some, I'll have some, uh, some good, some good, uh, some good outcome from that. And so, th- uh, that those apps like that I use, guys like me, just the normal person, like Robinhood, that's the app I use. They shut down for a little while people's ability to buy and sell the shares of of uh, of GameStop and a couple other stocks too. And so those are the facts of the case. The hedge fund people were shorting GameStop in a way that was questionable. Some folks on Reddit got together to try to expose them and punish them, and then a the company that allowed the tool to do it, Robinhood is a tool for selling and buying of shares, they shut it all down. Those are the facts of the case thus far. When we come back, I want to do some analysis of that behavior and what we can learn from this episode, and there is a lot. We'll do that and more when you return for the rest of The Cory Act Show. Connect to me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Look for me, Corey Truax. You'll find me there. You can also write to the show at CoreyTrurax Show at gmail.com. We are talking this very fun, intriguing, and kind of funny story of a battle between some folks on Reddit and some folks on Wall Street. And I just gave you the facts of the case. If you're listening live on radio and you missed it, you can go back and find the first 13 minutes or so at a Coreytruax.com, CoreyTruax.com or out there on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you'll find the show. As we went through those facts of GameStop going down in value, hedge funds taking advantage of that, some in good ways, some in bad ways, the Reddit people coming along to try to expose them and punish them, and then Robinhood, the app used by the people on Reddit to to take this action, shutting it all down. As we did all that, I did miss one thing I wanted to say. In relation to biblical worldview and doing some analysis outside of just the facts, you guys know me pretty well by now. I, 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 I love financial instrumentation. I don't mind rich people. I don't think there's a not. not just I don't think there isn't a biblical uh, command towards disliking the rich. When I saw people celebrating this with the hashtag "Eat the Rich," one of the dumbest and most immoral uh, uh, tropes out there in the culture. I got more and more uncomfortable with what Reddit was doing because some people were using it and thinking of it improperly. But there is a difference here between the people who use short selling well and those who don't. Again, I mentioned in the first segment, there's a way to do short selling that actually does add value. It adds data. It adds information. It says things to people like me and other investors, some stuff we needed to know, that maybe we're paying too much for a share of something or a company is well overvalued. But that's not what a lot of these hedge funds do. As I started learning more about this through the story, what I find is there are quite a few of these hedge funds that go about these financial instrumentations, using these financial instruments, for the sake of wealth. They don't actually produce anything for anybody. There is this great part of capitalism that incentivizes you doing things that help other people. Even if it's not altruistic, even if you're not just being generous, there is good biblical motivation to go work hard and provide a service people need. Capitalism says, hey, do you want money to take care of yourself and your family? Do you want money to retire on? Do you want money to go have fun with? You should come up with an idea that helps people and then they'll pay for it you just want money to, to, to raise your family you should get a job you should work provide a service someone wants work hard be diligent and that's that person will pay you to do it and that's good for all of us that's great behavior it goes to the some of the cores of the proverbs that things like uh, I think Proverbs 10 says something like the person who is uh, has a negligent the person who's a neg- negligent hand leads to poverty or they'll be poor there's the idea of uh, i think it's all these are probably in proverbs but things like wealth obtained by fraud or by uh, by, by any unjust means that leads to a, a that that wealth goes away it leads to a, a broken soul but the one who gathers what they have by labor by working hard by doing something for others this is good wealth and so there is this biblical idea of connecting wealth creation and wealth accumulation with working in a way that does something for others and these the subset of hedge funds because not all hedge funds are bad not all investors are bad it's actually a very small group that are using these financial instruments that don't do anything for anybody no good is created and i i think i'm i'm leaning towards actually regulating them and that makes me so uncomfortable that is not in my nature but i think i'm seeing a part of the economy that's been it's running wild and no one's really looked at or understood it. And so there's just a quick piece of analysis. Okay, so now you have all the characters and so here's some analysis of it for me. There really are no good guys here. I already said what i wanted to say about the hedge fund people, but the folks on Reddit, some of them are going to make some money off of this, but this wasn't a move towards making a bunch of money. They just wanted to make a point. And the point they made did hurt some people. Maybe they deserved it. Maybe they deserve some kind of punishment. That's fine. That's that, that might be the case. But there's a lot of folks who got involved on the Reddit side that did this out of something related to nihilism. They did it just for the sake of it. Because why not? We're not really accomplishing anything good. Not going to get anything big out of it. But here's the people we don't like. And life really has no bigger meaning than that. So let's go. let's go wreck them. Let's go hurt them. There is no real good guy. I don't. The, the, the hedge fund people shouldn't be defended for what they were doing with GameStop. The Reddit people aren't exactly heroes here. They're not producing anything for anybody either. And then Robinhood, the app itself, that shut down the trading. And some other apps did that too. I believe the Stash app did that. Th- this is where I, I start to get my hackles up a little bit. Robinhood presented itself to me even as a way for normal people like myself to invest to get money in the market the market has been on quite the the run here over the last well really if you take out the dot-com bubble it's been a 20 years largely of just doing great i mean there's been some downturns but if you kept your if you kept your money in this entire time the stock market has been a real wealth creator you know one of my favorite quotes from warren buffett i don't like warren warren buffett much i think he's Got some really terrible ideas, but he's a great investor. And somebody asked him in two thousand eight, after the market crash, Warren Buffett, how much money have you lost in this crash? And Warren Buffett, this multi billionaire, says, "Nothing. I didn't sell anything. There's so much wisdom in that. With the market, I didn't I didn't gain anything or or uh, or lose anything because I didn't sell anything." I haven't realized my losses. I haven't realized my gains because I didn't sell. I stayed in. And the market for people like me who just keep putting money in it, man, it's been so great. You get some down times, but it's been great for most of us. And so Robinhood giving access to that is good. The Stash app giving people access to that is good. Not having to go through a brokerage is good. But here we had a conflict. We had a battle. We had a battle between hedge fund types, powerful people and billionaires, who are well connected, they made a bet. They used the financial instrumentation they had to make a bet to try to make some money off of GameStop falling, Game Falling. And then some folks on Reddit got together and tried to ruin it for them. Even if the people on Reddit aren't heroes and don't have good motivations, it's a battle between two people. Robin Hood just happened to be a tool in the battle. They were a sword on the battlefield. And then Robin Hood decided to, instead of being the sword, they became, I'm changing analogies here, they became the referee. Actually, here's the, yeah, okay, better, I got it. Here's the, here's the analogy. There was a, a game being played, a basketball game being played between the hedge, fund, the hedge fund hedge fund billionaires and the people on Reddit. And Robin Hood was just the ball. It was a, one of the tools being used. And then, the, and then Robin Hood decided to become the referee and pick a winner and the winner they picked was the powerful and connected there probably does need to be an investigation here into robin hood into any of the apps that shut down trading because that's picking a winner they chose a winner and that's not fair if you're going to operate in a way where you're supposed to be open to everybody so that we can operate our financial lives you can't treat the well connected and the rich differently it's not right it's not just it's not fair so if there is any bad guy in the story, I think well, actually, I think basically everybody's kind of a bad guy in the story, or at least neutral. But the Robin Hood part really exposes something rotten in the American culture. This instinct some people have that the powerful just get to play by a different set of rules. These kind of stories lead into that because it seems to be somewhat true in a lot of ways. The powerful and connected get to have a whole different set of rules. All right, just a couple final things on this. I want to clarify some of the dumb stuff I saw. I saw some memes out there that seemed to be like, uh, like, hey, the next time people are going to try to make a, a big quick buck in the stock market, could someone send me a text? Like, that's not what's happening here. No one's getting rich. What, what the people on Reddit did, very few, if any, are going to make any real money. Because you got to realize how the stock market works. If Robinhood was at $10 a share when this started, that first 1,000 people might have gotten it at around $10 a share. But when a bunch of people start buying it, the next set of shares are going to be $50. And the next set of shares are going to be $100. And so the more the people getting in, the less they can benefit, right? And so not, there's not many people benefiting off of this thing. No one's getting rich. That's not what happened here. This wasn't David trying to slay Goliath. Well, in some way, I guess maybe it was the little guy trying to punish the big guy but not get anything off of it. And then uh, this was, I didn't like this. There does seem to be this meme out there around the rich just want you to be poor. And what Robin Hood did here was letting the rich trying to keep people poor. That's, that's not the story. I, I would have been the target audience for this Reddit group. I'm not poor, not wealthy, not poor though. This isn't activists being activists' story. This isn't the the powerful trying to keep you weak. It's not the rich trying to keep you poor. I just said it's not good that Robin Hood did what they did, that they picked a winner. But the motivation isn't, I really hate poor people. I wish they'd continue to be poor. It's that they were connected to the powerful, and the powerful probably scared the heck out of them. I was even saying things like, uh, saying memes like, uh, the rich person would say, why doesn't the poor invest their money? And then the, the poor invest their money and the rich person says, no, not like that. Well, that's not what happened here either. It's not like the some poor people or middle class people were trying to get a financial advantage. That wasn't the goal of this at all. They were trying to make a point. They were trying to punish hedge fund people. I would say that to someone middle class or, or or poor. Yeah, go get the Robinhood app, put whatever you got, put $100 in Amazon and... Leave it alone. Go live the rest of your life and come back to it years from now and see what you can get off of it. Yes. Yes, invest your money. This is, again, biblical. A fool spends all that he has. The wise person will hold something back. will invest in the future. This is good, frugal thinking. All right. I think that's all on the Robin Hood and GameStop story. I did love the story. I thought it was fun. Uh, So that leads me here. There are people seeing the Robin Hood story wrong when it comes to investors. But I also saw one meme that said, isn't it ironic that it's the Robin Hood app that that is being used to take from the poor and give to the rich instead of taking from the rich and giving to the poor. And I saw that enough that I wanted to address the legend of Robin Hood and the true story. Because it's one of my favorites. I love the Robin Hood story. Just so you know, there's probably not a person named Robert of Loxley. There is, what's likely happened there is an amalgamation of several characters get rolled into one and we call that Robin Hood. And he ends up basically being a fairy tale through British literature and stories. So here's the, I guess here's the real story of like the original Robin Hood fairy tale type story. Actually, let me give introductory thought. I love finding these things. I love finding the the original meaning that people are missing of something. I remember years ago, a lot of you reacted really well to this. I was reading something, I can't remember what, and I came across the actual meaning of blood is thicker than water. It's one of those colloquialisms said in American culture that's supposed to, I think gets you to be more loyal to your family. Like, there's nothing more important than family. Blood is thicker than water. The original quote means nothing of that sort. The original quote was an Irish or Scottish general. Can't remember his name. And before a battle, he says to his men, the blood of battle is thicker than the water of the womb. And so... You have siblings who shared the water of the womb. They are your brothers and sisters. You shared a womb, the womb of your mother. But you know what's thicker than the womb of your mother, the water of the womb of your mother? is the blood you shed together. And so the actual meaning of the quote is the thicker connection is the people you do battle with, the people alongside you in life. Sometimes that is your siblings. Sometimes it's not. Some of you listening to me, you know that's the case. Your family is not by your side in battle. But you have gathered to yourself friends and maybe a spouse. That's who's beside you in battle. And that blood that you guys shed together doing life, it's so much thicker than the bond of just family sharing parents. And so as much as I love that story, the, the story behind that real phrase, I love the Robin Hood story for what it actually was originally. For years, it's bothered me that liberalism in the West has talked about Robin Hood as their story because Robin Hood, quote, takes from the rich to give to the poor. And so Ted Kennedy, at times, he was he loved this back when he was alive, would say it from the floor of the Senate. He would say it on news shows that, you know, we are more of the Robin Hood type party. We want to take, yes, we'll take from the rich to give to the poor because that's the just thing to do. It's why we have fantasized or at least uh, Magnify the story of Robin Hood. But listen, that's not the story of Robin Hood. It is not a take from the rich and give to the poor story. Think about the antagonists of the story. In every iteration of the Robin Hood movie you've seen, the Kevin Costner one, the Russell Crowe one, the cartoon, who's the bad guy? Well, first, it's Prince John, not rightfully ruling but the head of their government. What's Prince John doing? He is laying down onerous taxes. Really in your face, take your property type taxes. In some of the movies, you will see it was a time in Britain, in the British Isles, where no one actually had any property. All things were assumed to be property of the king. The crown owns everything. And you can use some of what the crown has bestowed upon you, but all things belong to the crown. We have Prince John as the primary antagonist, and he is the government. The more imminent antagonist is the sheriff of Nottingham. And if you get the original stories, the older stories, the sheriff is not just a cop. He's the tax assessor. He's going around to businesses, landowners, farmers, to pick up their tribute to the king. He's there to collect taxes. That's the Sheriff of Nottingham. And so we have Prince John instituting unjust and onerous heavy burden of taxes. We have the Sheriff of Nottingham imposing those taxes, collecting those taxes, enforcing that tax policy, and what does Robin Hood do? He does not take from the rich to give to the poor. He goes to the tax takers and gives it back to the taxpayers. It is in the Russell Crowe version of the movie that he actually says something that is supposed to be accredited to this legend. Every man a king and every man his own castle. That he was saying, it might be a one-room shack, but gentlemen... Ladies, you are the king and queen of your domicile. You are the king and queen of that that shack. That is your land. That's your property. A king and his tax assessor are trying to take it from you. Robin Hood is not taking from rich people. He is taking from the government because the government overextended its hand. It took too much from the people. That's the real story of Robin Hood. Because there is no bigger oppressor than government's. Yes, the rich oppress. We got that all, all over the Bible, especially in the minor prophets. You'll see it. The rich and powerful will oppress the weak and those who have less. There has never been a bigger oppressor in human history than, than governments. They are the most oppressive. And Robin Hood is the story of taking from the oppressive government to give back to what to give back to the people what was rightfully theirs in the first place. Which leads me to one final thought on this this helps me to remember that it's important that we talk about free markets more effectively. Leftism, liberalism, and the media we're in has done a good job of beating up on capitalism. And for that matter, let's be honest, capitalists have done a good job of harming capitalism by some of their behavior. But we we have to be able to tell the proper stories That capitalism is for the oppressed. That we believe in the oppressed. We believe in them so much that we don't think they need our assistance. We just believe they need a chance. They need an opportunity. They need a culture that gets out of their way and lets them achieve. They don't need a hand out. They do need a hand up. And while leftism, socialism tries to sell the idea of a hand up, I'm going to use other people's wealth to pull you up. Capitalism, rightism, individualism says, "Hey, you don't need me. You're you're so able to do this yourself. We, man, have some faith in yourself. Believe in yourself. And where someone has caused inequity and injustice and has kept you from helping yourself." Let's punish those people. Let's use government to punish those use government to punish those people. And that's the better but the better story of capitalism is on your own. You can provide for yourself. You can provide for your family. You can make the right choices. We just got to get out of your way. But we believe in you. And that's a better story than the left says. The left, the left sells. Liberalism and leftism sell you can't achieve. You're too oppressed. There are too many people out to get you. You will never get anywhere without us. So come follow me. Come be indebted to me. Use your voice, your vote to empower me, and I'll take care of you. The capitalist story is a so much better story than the socialist story. It's more affirming of humanity and the image of God on people. And so that Robin Hood story makes me think about that. I thought I would correct the record. When we return, I have a couple listener submissions and some questions, uh, and also some old audio from a public health official I want to share with you just because I find it interesting because I came across it, and I think it's worth sharing. We'll do that and more when you come back for the rest of The Cory Act Show. Show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. Thank you for listening. I am always grateful when you reach out to the show with content for the show. Maybe, I think this is actually gonna be the best content you can send me, is when you see a meme that you think, oh, that's stupid. What a dumb argument that makes. You should send it to me so that I can just set it up on a tee and knock it for, you know, I'm, I'm trying to decide my, uh, Analogy, if I wanted to go t-ball or golf. So I'll either drive it for 300 yards or I will knock it out of the park. You decide which one is more likely for me athletically. By the way, neither one could possibly happen. All right, here's where I want to go for our final segment. Some listener submissions. Reggie asked me, my thoughts on the military still being deployed there at the, at the Capitol. Not a fan. This is not supposed to be how the United States looks. You, you might have heard of a posse comitatus, I think is the name of the, the act. We are not supposed to be a country with the military on the streets. They aren't police. I I do understand using the military for big events like the inauguration, but you got to find a way to have police forces that can keep the peace without having to use the military to do it. And they need to be disbanded. Like, get off the streets of New York, excuse me, get off the streets of Washington, D.C. It actually bothers me really deeply at how comfortable people seem to be with it. Especially in big cities where it's happened more. You know, it happened in Portland over the summer. It happened, I think it happened in New York City. I think there were some, uh, there there were some uh, troops on the streets and now in D.C., it's one of the parts of all of this craziness of 2020, the year that passed us, that we probably didn't pay attention to enough, that it just became really normal for a lot of Americans to just see the military on the streets. Not in small-town America, not even in medium-sized-type cities like Greenville. Or We didn't see it, but like the big places just got used to it. And I, that's probably not good that we got used to military being everywhere. But Reggie, that's my answer. Very uncomfortable with the military being on the streets of any major city, including Washington, D.C., and it's time for them to be sent on back to wherever they came from. Next, Hannah sent me a story. Not Hannah on the morning show here on WHRT, his radio talk, but a different Hannah sent me this story, I think because I work at a Baptist university, and this is a story of a Baptist university. It's down. At, it's, it's Baylor down in Texas, and so let me give you the shortest version. There was a lecturer, a professor there... Her name is something Crenshaw. Let's just call her Professor, Professor Crenshaw. She was talking about the Biden administration's executive order regarding transgender boys and girls, teenagers, men and women, and bathroom and facility usage. And she makes a decent argument on Twitter. Professor Crenshaw says, what if I don't want my biological sons in the bathroom with my biological daughters? Do the 99% of us who do not wrestle with gender dysphoria have a voice? Not a bad point. I've thought about this too when it comes to this policy. I tend to be a, find a way for no one to infringe on anyone else. Let's get maximum freedom for the maximum number of people. But if we have to, if there has to be any imposition, why on earth is the, the default for 99.9% of us to change our behavior for 0.1%? It should be the case that we don't change everyone else's world to accommodate for a tiny, tiny group, no matter the tiny, tiny group. This happens to be an LGBT thing, but no matter the accommodation, if we have to do it, we shouldn't be doing it that way, where 99.9% of people have to uh, change for the the 0.1%. So she makes a decent article, excuse me, a different argument, a decent argument regarding that uh, executive order I, I tend to care a little bit less about this than most folks. My thought has been for a long time, uh, it's it's barbaric that it's 2021 and we still go to the bathroom in rooms where other people are. Like, why on earth do we do that? It's it's savage. We just guys build better bathroom stalls. I think about uh, I can give some love to a few a few places here. Um, but free publicity, I guess there's a a Dave Brooks, Toyota. I used to go up there to get car maintenance and they had this bathroom up there where when you go in, it's like six stalls, but all six stalls are their own private room. Got a, like a full door head, like from ceiling to floor. Like it's, it's your own private room. Guys, this is awesome. Why are we still having people go to the bathroom in rooms together? What year is it? I guess maybe I can understand that at giant places like airports and stadiums, but it's just so weird. And in even in locker room settings, we know that locker room settings are the place of hazing and bullying for generations. Why not change the situation for these, for these and uh, maybe have a constitutional amendment? We'll call it one man, one bathroom, one woman, one bathroom, one human, one bathroom, just like there's one human, one vote. That's how it should be. Anyway, uh, so she makes that statement about the policy. And then the newspaper there at Baylor, a uh, Baptist university, wrote a story about her because, of course, she's a terrible person for saying this. And in the the story, they called her transphobic. That the... Uh, no, sorry, that's wrong. They called the statement transphobic. So what I just read to you, what if I... to so quote. What if I don't want my biological sons in the bathroom with my biological daughters? Do the 99% of us who do not wrestle with gender dysphoria have a voice? They labeled that in their story as transphobic. I had so many thoughts on this. This is one of the major problems with media now. They have forgotten how to not editorialize. Most adjectives, adverbs, descriptive language is editorializing. Saying the statement is transphobic isn't objectively true. It's just what some little teeny bopper Gen Z kid thought of it. Because it's been so ingrained in them. Their whole lives, everything is phobic. Which is, one of my big issues here is I'm a lover of language that we decided to slap phobic on everything. If you just happen to think yeah, marriage is for thousands of years between a man and a woman. Also, maybe even like there shouldn't be marriage. All of it is homophobic. I'm not scared. Th- phobia means fear. Maybe you should use your terms correctly. But we toss phobia and phobic onto everything. And that is a, it's a, uh, it's it's editorial in nature. It's not telling the facts. And so the the Baylor newspaper, by the way, did reissue the story, change the word transphobic statement to controversial statement. I guess that's objectively true because it caused controversy. But the there's two things there. One is media. It's the media problem. They do this all the time. Even the media I like. I think I've told you before, I still think that NPR is the most fair, but they do it too. They insert their opinions as adjectives, and it's something for you to listen out for when you are uh, observing the news, consuming the news from others. But the other part is, there. there is a madness here with the transgender agenda that makes no sense for lots of reasons. I, I brought it up before that... It's this. It's one side that says there's basically no such thing as men and women. There's no distinction. There's no difference at all between the two. They should all be able to do all the same things. But also, if you are a man who thinks you're a woman or you're a woman who thinks you're a man, it's the single most important thing about you. It's fundamental to your existence, and all of us must affirm it. Not just tolerate it, but affirm it. So this guy thinks he's a woman. And even though there's no such thing really as a woman and there's no difference between men and women, I have to really affirm that he's a woman whatever a woman happens to be. So it's this backward, insane worldview that secularism will lead you to. A non-biblical worldview will lead you to that kind of madness. But the other issue there is that men and women are different. And there are consequences to these things. Girls will be disadvantaged in their sports. Because guys are, biological males have bigger muscles and they're taller, longer strides, longer, longer arms, like in all the different advantages of sports. In this interest of affirming, that was tolerating, but affirming one group of people, we are going to negatively affect women generally. But because of the leftist worldview, which is intersectional, you, they have to pick one and they will always pick whichever thing they think is the most victimized because that's all that matters in a leftist worldview. Thank you, Hannah, for sending that story. Uh, I'm going to play for you now some audio that I ran across. I'm not making a big point here because um, I, uh, I, you know, I'll i just play it for you, and then I'll make my point. Don't Don't assume when you hear it that you know what I think. Don't assume it. Stick with me for a second. I just know that we are... We went through all this mask controversy around coronavirus, wearing masks, and now people are talking about wearing two masks and three masks. I don't remember this, but I ran across on YouTube, Dr. Anthony Fauci, saying this in March last year, almost a year ago, a question was asked to Dr. Fauci. This is what he said about masks. There's a lot of confusion among people and misinformation surrounding face masks. Can you discuss that? The masks are important for someone who's infected to prevent them from infecting someone else. Now, when you see people and look at the films in China and South Korea, whatever, everybody's wearing a mask. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it, because people are listening really closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking, there's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Whoa, that was just March last year. Now, I do appreciate this about him. He said it doesn't provide the perfect protection, so I think he is trying to be careful with his language, saying it might provide some protection, but doesn't provide perfect protection, but... He straight up said people shouldn't be wearing them, right? And now the message is not only should you be wearing one, you should be wearing two. And so I, he, here's where I landed back on masks a long time ago. On the face, and I do mean the pun here, on its face, of course a mask would be somewhat effective. Like if, it, if a virus spreads by stuff that comes out of your mouth, if you cover your mouth on the face of it, logically, you keep some people are getting infected. The math and the and the data on how effective it is, I don't know. I'm going to trust those that do the work on that and I'll, otherwise just basically shut up about it because I don't know anything about these things. I just know that there's logic to it. It's almost like the same logic of having like a border wall on the, on the southern border. If people can't just walk across dusty ground and they have to go over a big wall will fewer people make the trip yeah if a virus needs to get out of your mouth to infect someone else and you cover your mouth will fewer people or fewer of that uh, fewer uh, particles of that virus come out well yeah i don't know how much why would i know but anyway i came across that audio and i was blown away by it i had never heard it that was march last year and the guy who i I get it i mean Changed his mind, got some new data. That's what what the world of science does, it's supposed to, is collect data, collect information. And if it happens to... Oh, oh, that's a good way to say it, actually. You remember the scientific method? The first thing in the scientific method is hypothesis, I think. Yeah, that's right. I'm almost positive. The first thing is hypothesis. And then you come up with some way to test your hypothesis. Uh, You do the experiments and you observe the experiments and get the data back and then come up with a conclusion. And so that's what science is supposed to do. It's always supposed to be reiterating and uh, coming up with the uh, best data that it can. And so anyway, I think it's just funny that that's what he said. Okay. For a final minute of the show, I have two things. One, there are now a few more of you who are supporting the show financially. And I am blown away by that. I want to say thank you for all of you that do it doesn't ever go past me that that's happening, and I'm starting to come up with some more ideas on maybe trying to expand this Corey Truax show family, as it were. Just stay tuned on that. Is all I want to say. I wanted to say thank you, and also stay tuned on some ideas that might be headed our way to to promote. And then, second, I do want to be of use to you. So if there there are topics you find interesting that's one thing but i would just love this if there's something you feel like you don't know enough about that you you have an argument you've heard that you find compelling and you want to know how you you should respond or what a biblical worldview thing is i want to make sure we're doing stuff that you want to do so i'm just encouraging you to do that think about it send it to Show at gmo.com or facebook or twitter or instagram i'll be back with another new edition of the show next week until then everybody peace and love